0: Welcome to Vymo Workplace Podcast. My name is Alex, and today I talk with Adarsh about accessibility and all things around that. So I know that, Adarsh, you joined Vymo around the same time as I did, which was like two years ago. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah. um, Hey, everyone. This is Adarsh. And yeah, you're right, Alex, um, I joined Vymo almost a couple years ago now, end of 2021 and yeah i've been working on magento for the past five odd years now and ever since joining Wimo i've been specializing more on react and headless storefronts but i also work as a full stack developer so yeah
0: that's great um to learn about you and uh, I guess people can add you on LinkedIn or kind of um, find you there. So yeah, but um, more about the topic of accessibility. I know that um, not a lot of kind of e-commerce projects are following best accessibility practices because I think historically like e-commerce is being about like making kind of profits and following KPIs. And we we do stuff that will bring more money, essentially. But, and maybe accessibility is more for the governmental organizations and stuff like that. However, knowing, uh, seeing seeing a lot of government websites, I don't necessarily think they are accessible. But nevertheless, what do you think is the value of accessibility for your average e-commerce project? What should uh, kind of how we should communicate that to the business so they see value in that as well?
1: I think it fundamentally comes down to inclusivity, whether it's direct or indirect, or most of the times it's not even visible. Um, for example, we may not actually know how many, what percentage of the users for a client disabled in any way, minor, major, whatever it is. So I think the first hurdle that we have is that it's not visible and measured but once we go beyond that i think that's where the value lies in um whether it's visible or not we we have to understand that we have to make people and the software we build inclusive and i think that's where the core value of it lies in you know
0: yeah uh certainly i i agree with you i actually um kind of accessibility is it's on so many levels, because uh, you can think of accessibility like, hey, you have really disabled person and um, you, you should make website accessible to that person, essentially. Okay. But yeah, th- this is, of course, we, we need to do that, but it might be not easy to implement all the best practices and all of these things that are needed for everyone to be able to access the website, for example. But at the same time, it's not all or nothing game. You you can do particular things that will make lives of your users easier and increase conversion. Some example, like personal example, like four years ago, I had a stroke. And after that, my kind of right hand uh, is kind of, I I don't really control the, the motion. I do control, but it's like hard for me to make like precise movements, uh, it's like, uh, for example, when writing, my kind of writing is not that great. After that, but when I play video games, I really appreciate the accessibility setting uh, when you have quick time events and you have to press button really quickly. I can do that. I can, but I have to switch controller to left hand and press the button, which is not convenient. So I really appreciate. That feature that a lot of games now have, but some doesn't, and it really pisses me off I, I always turn off this accessibility feature of turning quick time events to a single press of the button, and I think like for me, it makes game almost inaccessible if that feature doesn't exist, and I'm not considering myself like disabled person, so I think there is kind of there is this set of best practices that. Everybody should implement to make life easier for uh, a lot of kind of people that may or may not be disabled in some particular way or form,
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think that's again tying into making everyone feel inclusive, right like whether it's a minority, probably only one percent of the users will need support in terms of accessibility, but it's important that we make them feel equal as well and yes it is not an easy task to make it a level playing field for example there are there are many levels of accessibility um guidelines and rules to follow but it doesn't have to be day one 100% right it's it's a step by step process like we can definitely start one by one and for example there is the there are three levels in the web accessibility guidelines for example the the first level which is level a is pretty simple and straightforward to implement and that is i think the first step that we can take and that itself would be a huge improvement to a whole uh, chunk of users who will need support for example even yourself like normally you might be fine but for example pointing the mouse and and hovering over items and then and then using it for pinpoint accuracy you might need help whereas using a tab might be easier for you, just tabbing through elements on a keyboard. And I think that's that's where we we got to start. Like day one, we got to list out where we want to be and slowly make our way through it um, step by step. Yeah, it's a long and it would be a tough process, especially in terms of cost and the impact that it would give. But I think we have to make clients understand that, you know, it's it's important to make everyone feel equal in incremental phases, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, obviously you're working as a front-end developer at Vima, which is um we are agency working with e-commerce websites uh for the most part. So, um in that context, you as front-end developer, what are your kind of what are things that you can contribute to the project so it is more accessible? What are best practices that you follow that you implement in the code or that you communicate with the design team or with project manager? Like if we take your point of view, what are things that you would be doing
1: in the next project that you are assigned to? I think, yeah, the first step that I would do, and I keep reading about this a lot on social media platforms as well, is that firstly, what I can do is things which are under my control, which is during development. um, I can already take charge and for example let's say there is a html element it's called a div but it could be anything but there are specific html elements for each kind of role in the website like if we want a button let's just put a button let's not put some other element and then use styles and then loop make it look like a button in the end for a visual purpose it's going to look like a button but it's going to really fail on accessibility guidelines and when there are a lot of tools to check um, how websites do and if we use that we can really see how it affects so i think that's where i would start these little things of using the right html elements and the right html attributes really go a long way it takes literally no time no extra time um, for me to develop things the right way for example using the button for button or like a list item for a list item and and so on. And yeah, that's where I would start. It doesn't take title for title. Exactly. It, it's very common. Yeah. And using headings in in the right sequence, like for example, H1 is the first heading that you see. It can't just directly dump to H4 after that. It has to be in H2. So so yeah, little things like that, which actually takes no extra time during development. It's just that it has to be in the back of my head, of any developer's head and and to keep Keep in mind that we got to do that, and yeah, that's takes no extra money, no extra time, and that's where we all all of us should start. And personally, that's where I would start.
0: Yeah, the, uh, I, I really like this um, this um, advice, and how simple it is. Yet, I think I don't think anybody wants to do harm to the project, so people don't like develop things out of kind of bad attitude or whatever. But uh, oftentimes what happens is that, for example, you you gave an example of headings, right? So H1 might be the design that you need, but H2 might be off by sizing or whatever, but uh, in the design, the sizing is smaller, for example. So you just to, to follow the design, you use H4 instead of H2. And I think, There is this kind of, yeah, communication we are doing right now just to let people know that sometimes it's it's better to maybe have communication with designer or have communication with project manager that, hey, we need to adjust the style guide or need to adjust design system on the project. So we do that right first time and then we can reuse those elements moving forward as opposed to kind of creating workarounds each and every time. And I think um, those are conversations that uh, we shouldn't be afraid to initiate. And um, those are in the end of the great value to the client because, yeah, first kind of having website accessible to a lot of users is beneficial, but also like legal aspects of that is also like very important Certainly in the US, but um, I think in the
1: UK, it's also kind of common. So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to go back to the point where you mentioned about syncing up with the designers in our team as well. For example, we we refer to the designs which the designers um, uh, develop. And I think if n- not to send off the responsibility to them, but like everyone can play a part is as as you said. And when designers use the right element, we can also... Consciously, you know, keep keep reminding ourselves that oh, okay, so this has got to be an H1, this has got to be an H2, instead of just styling a paragraph tag to look bigger, like like a heading. So yeah, absolutely. I think everyone can play a part. Even in code reviews, we can actively keep an eye out for making sure that our peers use the right HTML tags as a start. Um, there are much more things to do in accessibility, but I think the HTML elements are a good start for everyone to keep an eye on. Yeah. And yeah, regarding the legal aspect, yeah, I think in the US, it's much more important. But I think globally itself, a lot of countries are adopting the guidelines published by the web accessibility group. And I think personally for me beyond, yes, of course, we got to be compliant on a legal level. But I think beyond that, it comes down to a moral level, like we just want everything to be as equal as possible, right? We don't having a legal System in place, yes, keeps things in check, but I think it's got to come from within as well to make things a level playing field. Like for example, a lot of buildings right now which are being built have ramps and lifts and accessible um, features built right into them. And I think we got to do the same thing for websites because this is where people most mostly are, you know, more than actual physical buildings, it's websites where we constantly are. So I think it's important that We take it as a moral thing to do as well on top of the legal thing. And it's just something we have to do for for the sake of everyone. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's great. Um, So yeah, those advice for front-end developers specifically. And again, those advice might sound like something simple. And they are essentially because we're not uh, trying to kind of overcomplicate things. I think the message uh, that you, you... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing from you is that this is not, this should not be a complicated um, endeavor to kind of, to pursue in the project. Uh, you, You can start today and you can make your website and your next pull request can make the website more accessible and it shouldn't be like year long project. It can be like just having that in mind, goes a long way so s- thank you for um, spreading that message and talking about that i'm really happy we we had this conversation and of course we'll link all the kind of checks that you can use uh, on your website to access the current situation and maybe uh, consult with developers in environment like darsh how that situation may or may not be improved or if the situation is great maybe share how that happened and what was the practices that you followed in the team. Uh, so thank you for that, Darsh. And uh, lastly, before we go, um, we have a small tradition already on this podcast. Uh, in every episode, we ask our uh, guests about um, their favorite Uh, movies or TV shows or books or music. Uh, We call that uh, segment entertainment corner. Uh, So it's about entertainment. It's not about work uh, necessarily. Um, So uh, what's been on your
1: kind of list lately for the entertainment? I think um, recently uh, I've not been watching any TV show uh, properly, but I think I'd like to highlight one movie that I that I especially love watching. It's called La La Land. And came out quite a few years ago, I think probably five, six years even. And I think what that movie has taught me is that it's sort of like a comfort movie for me. It's it's quite chill. It's amazing. And what it teaches me is that sometimes life has different plans, but you just got to go along with it. You know, there are so many ways life can go and you just got to play along and adapt. That's a beautiful
0: movie and a beautiful insight from you about life. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that conversation. And um, I'm sure we'll talk more uh, on the later episodes about uh, stuff that, um, that is um, relevant for you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yep. Cheers. Bye-bye.